Hey, everyone. Thanks, as usual, for listening to our show. As usual, check out our Twitter, at Midcourt Madness, and check out our website if you feel like doing some good reading, midcourtmadness.wordpress.com. Here's the show. On today's Midcourt Madness, Biggs, in the world of college basketball, what the hell is going on? I don't know, John. Did I miss something? Is anything going on? I don't think so. It's the middle of the summer. It's still summer out there. It's horrible. Over under us filling more than 40 minutes in this. Push. Is that a move you can make? Is that a betting thing? Push? If you want to cheat, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm going to hedge. Okay, let's get into it. All right, it's big winner time. Who you got? All right, John, my winner. It kind of it kind of ties back to uh, a little bit. We've had a we've had a newsy. Uh, remember a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how the NBA the games don't matter, right? It's always just newsy stuff. It's only about where the players are going, where the coaches are going, free agents, trades that are going to happen. We're in the playoffs, and yet all that stuff that matters is all of the all of the coaches retiring or resigning or getting fired. GMs are stepping down. Players want out. Luca's upset with somebody. Zion now is upset with somebody. He wants to, or no, his family said he wants. His family to wants out. So like, there we go. It's, it's all these players. These guys all want to get traded by 2028. Where's Zion signing in 2029? You know, that's that's all the newsy stuff. Lost in the maybe a small part of this is a nugget that John Calipari was recorded reported by Vincent Goodwill is quote open to returning to the NBA. So my winner is the SEC. The remaining teams of the SEC or just the Either, SEC as a whole? It's a win-win. If John Calipari – okay, here's a, here's a tweet from Jeff Goodman about John Calipari. Jeff Goodman, the uh, – you, Here's – speaking of Jeff Goodman. The, Goodman. the college basketball Bible. Jeff a, a, as you search that, did you ever see a thing with uh, the Ball family and basically LeVar? Like Jeff Goodman was in Lithuania when uh, LiAngelo and LaMelo were playing overseas. Yeah. And – He's, Jeff Goodman had an article that LeVar Ball just didn't like. And originally, basically, Jeff Goodman was just their right-hand man and just putting out whatever media LeVar Ball wanted out there. And then he basically sent him packing, sent him home because of this one article. Yeah, they, they did him dirty, for yeah. sure. The poor guy had to go to Lithuania to cover the big baller brand. That really sucks. But <laughs> props to him. Jeff Goodman, he's still kicking, though. Here's, here's his take. He says, here's my take on Calipari in the NBA. One, there aren't many NBA jobs where he'd leave Kentucky. Okay. Two, there aren't many NBA GMs that would hire Kentucky. Three, he's not going to take a pay cut. Uh, everybody always from like the second. Um, who are the guys running the New York Knicks? It's Worldwide West, and I can't remember the other guy's name. Whoever their GM is, though, they've got ties to John Calipari. So a year ago, everyone's thinking we're going to connect the Calipari to the Knicks dots eventually, and they're going to try to get all these Kentucky guys. They do well, right? Tibbs is now he was the coach of the year for the Knicks. Don't think they're probably in the Cal market. It's it's probably a lot of news for nothing because he's probably not going to the NBA. And that's good for the SEC too because if Calipari's there, Kentucky's a, a big-time winner. And as we've talked about, it's not about whether or not you're good. It's just about if your conference is good. If Kentucky goes and wins the national championship, so does Georgia. So does Tom, Tom Crean or if, if the corpse of Tom Crean if he's left at Georgia. They win the national championship too. Mm-hmm. And we've seen over the last 10 or 11 years when Kentucky, if Calipari is at Kentucky, they're good, right? They've, they've been one of the probably five most winning programs over the last decade. If he leaves, 
that's great too because now all these other coaches have room. Someone's got room to kind of rise up and take control. You're Nate Oates. You're Eric Musselman. You think another SEC coach could jump ship, or you think they could just have more room to be better at their current program? Yeah, I think there's probably just more space to 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 win in your current program. Although that that's an option too. I mean, that Kentucky job is obviously your Duke, North Carolina. Yeah. Either way, I think John Calipari being linked in these NBA rumors, good for the SEC. He yeah. leaves to win. He stays. Kentucky raises the forces everybody to to up their game and rise to the Kentucky level. That's great too. Are there any possible replacements out there for Coach K? Are we going to do a no? A Coach no, we, we we can't we can't call it that replacement ranking. Yes, a replacement ranking. There we go. Who's going to take over? Tra- for John tra- tra- trademark that. Replacement rankings. The replacement rankings. Yes. I like that alliteration, too. Yeah, That's way better. Double R. Yeah. Porter Moser. No reason why. Why not? Yeah. I like him. Okay. <laughs> He's got two last names. True. So, so you fall victim to trusting him too much. That's true. Yes. Are you falling into that? Probably. Maybe. Yeah, there's a chance. <laughs> Nobody's immune to it. John, who's your winner? Uh, my winner, Biggs, is Houston. Houston, like yes. as in like the city, because I'm not a big fan of the city myself. The, the, have you seen the freeways in Houston? Definitely not. Like the seven Texans. lanes wide. Definitely not the Texans. They're absolutely wild. That sucks. Yeah, yeah. Houston, like the college basketball team. I'm yes, the the Houston college the basketball Cougs. team. Yes, the ones that qualified for the Final Four this year has been sort of on on the up and ups recently. Yeah. Um And when you do get to that point of the Final Four, you know you want to stay there. You want to be able to you know have that sustainability with your program and maybe not get to the final four every year, but maybe a sweet 16 is expected every year. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, just looking at their roster, Quentin Grimes, he's gone. Uh, DeJon Giroux, sort of their Swiss army knife. He's gone. Um, but they do get, you know, Marcus Sasser announcing he's coming back. They get Fabian White, the, one of their post players coming back. They also have added Kyler Edwards, the Texas Tech transfer at the guard position, to help sort of stabilize everything. And just for those reasons, just being able to sustain a program and having that year-to-year success and not just be a one-hit wonder or a two-hit wonder. They've had a couple of good years recently. They're my winners, Biggs. They're they're your winners. Okay, like just because they're they're in a good they're in a good position, right? They've added, like you said, you added Kyler Edwards in the transfer market, who was a, who was a pretty good player. Like a two and a half year starter at Texas Tech was, mm-hmm. a, was a high quality player. And did did you say Marcus Sasser and Fabian White like announced they're returning? Well, they have to, Biggs. Otherwise, how would people know? What? <laughs> it's like, well, it's like every every day at work, I type an email to my coworker saying, "I'm coming I'm, into work today." I'm still here. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Because because <laughs> I, I guess we assumed that those guys were returning, right? I mean, where else would they be going? I, I like Marcus Sasser, but. I would. I guess nowadays that that is kind of the the culture of college hoops. You you see that. I, I do like, uh, like you, you and I are UNC fans, and like Caleb Love, uh, you know, he shot like thirty two percent from the field all season and like twenty five percent from three. And it's like there was this big announcement. He's like, I'm coming back. But like, oh, okay, but like, where were you going? Like, what was it, the plan? It still wasn't known. Like, there was the possibility that he would go, just because, like we talked about, there are those players who, from the moment they commit, they're only going to be there one year. Yeah, and that's their plan. No matter what happens, they're only going to be there one year. So it was still somewhat of a surprise that Caleb Love came back. Especially, wasn't his dad tweeting tweeting some cryptic stuff about like, yeah, moving, I think so. sometimes it's better to move on or something. He which might have hinted been. at either a transfer or him leaving. Right. Yeah, and we and we did kind of, and, and I've always I've always championed that idea that high rated recruits leave 
no matter what. Yep. Mark Williams from Duke was the same thing. He averaged like seven points and like five rebounds. Like, I'm coming back. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, as opposed but to. But he did come on very strong at the end of the year. Coach, he did. I think he's going to be a stud. Next Coach year. K was not using him much at all. And honestly, their season could have been much differently if they did use him Maybe. more. Yeah. I, I just think it's it's fun. The uh, We're living in like announcement culture where it's like in the NBA, like uh, off-season hot stove stuff is actually better than the games. In like college hoops, it's like we're sitting on pins and needles waiting for announcements more than, than we're actually watching the games. It's like it's kind of the college version of NBA free agency is this announcement culture. Yeah. You know, guys, uh, they have to make their announcement. It's a huge deal. It's, well, it's a bigger deal than anything. It's also just about getting whatever videos you can out there. For example, Biggs. Tip to edits. That as well. No, I'm at the gym a couple weeks ago. Actually, yeah. this this is almost an everyday occurrence. You could say that every day. Yeah. <laughs> no, what I'm about, like, that is an everyday occurrence, too. Yeah. But Obviously. as far as what I'm about to talk about is an everyday occurrence, it seems like. Okay. 12-year-old kids at the gym. Horrible. God-awful. So many of them. Yes. And you go to the same gym as like me now. Mm-hmm. But I'll see them taking videos and them jacking up three-pointers. Like, they'll have their buddy in front of them holding the phone, taking videos, and then jacking up three-pointers. It's like wide-open three-pointers, mind you. Sure. It's like, great, you can make some wide-open three-pointers. No one gives a shit. Right? Yeah. Work on your Euro. Work on your jump, stop, and pivot. You know, what, you know what they should actually work on? Help side defense. That too. On the line, up the line. There's no Play training defense, going on. Son. And honestly, I say that – I. I like complain about how there's no training going on, but I was also the same kid doing that one 20 years ago. <laughs> but that's the cycle of life. Now you're yes. old and you hate the young kids. I was thinking about this actually when I was walking in the gym today. There were like three or four of them that walk out, and it's like, probably like high schoolers. And I'm just like, those kids look like douchebags. And then I caught myself, and I'm like, of course they do. They're high schoolers. Like, of course they look like douchebags. And then I kind of I cut them a break. I was like, whatever. It's like, we we're high schoolers once. Yeah. I mean, I didn't look like a douchebag, but I'm different. Yeah. Yeah. Like we were douchebags, but now we have like really evolved into successful podcasters. What yeah. exactly you want to be? Yeah, yeah. I, all three of our listeners can attest. Yes. <laughs> John, do you have a loser? Yes, my loser okay. is Tom Izzo. Izzo, huh? Yes, because you know, with all this, you know, coaching changes. This year. Roy Williams retiring after the season, um, immediately, right? But then Coach K coming into the woodwork. Or out of the woodworks, I should say. Yeah. And announcing he's going to retire, but not till after this season, right? He's going to have his farewell tour. Yeah. Typical Coach K. Yeah. The attention. And then Tom Izzo is being interviewed, and they're sort of asking him, like, you know, how would you retire? Or, like, you know, what do you think of all this stuff going on? And he says, when I do it, I'm just leaving. Whoa. So. Is that shade? That is obvious shots at Coach K. There's no other way. We're not overreacting at all on this. No. No. And you might be sitting there wondering, okay, why is Tom is the loser here? Well, because Coach K clearly has some sort of a hitman, right? Like, yeah. Tom Izzo is going to have to spend money for extra security. Um, He's not going to be able to go to the grocery store alone anymore. No. Um, he's going to have just bodyguards surrounding him at all times now. Does Tom Izzo have a bodyguard? He should. He will now, probably. Yeah. Which makes that guy a winner, I guess. And then, checks. and then, like you said before the show, Duke probably could be one of the top teams in next year's tournament. Yeah. yeah. I'd say a one to two seed almost for sure. Yeah. 
could you see Michigan State possibly like a seven or eight seed, maybe? You you can you can sharpie it in that they will be in the same bracket, yeah, slated to match up in like some sort of a second round or a Sweet Sixteen, yep. like like Michigan State will be like a four in Duke's one, yeah. Or like a not two. only that, the location where they play will probably be somewhere in North Raleigh, Carolina. yeah, yeah, exactly. I can see that. Yep. There's there's a lot of things about this. I, first. Detroit counts as like the upper Midwest, right? Yes. Is is Izzo, Izzo's a Detroit? Is he from that kind? Of, he's lived in the Midwest long enough to be considered an, an upper Midwest guy. I love the, um, uh, how how do you, what is it like the uh, the passive aggressiveness about it? I do love it. You know, he's kind of he's kind of being subtle, like yeah, you know, when I leave, I'm just gonna lock out. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of that. And uh, also, you got to think about this: like, not only will Izzo maybe need a bodyguard for like his, his own kind of physical health. Think about that Duke media machine. The Duke media machine is stronger than any college basketball media machine there is. Think about the media machine for Tom Izzo though. Everybody mm-hmm. just loves Tom Izzo. We, we, we bow at the altar of Tom Izzo and the manufactured adversity that he, except for when creates. he yells at his players. That's true. People yes. don't like that very yes. much. We can't do that anymore. No. Um, but everybody just always, always Mr. March. He's just gonna. Izzo's gonna figure it out. The Michigan State team—they just they play the right way. Izzo, he's he's my coach. Not anymore. Can't throw shots at Coach K and still be my coach. Exactly. So that's why he's the big loser this week. Yeah, that's that, that's a good one. He's gonna yeah. take a hit. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Quite that. literally, what what he least expects it. Big time. Yes. Thanks. Who's your loser? My loser is folks who play FanDuel daily fantasy college basketball like and want to play Texas players. Okay, because Texas, uh, probably the news of the last couple of days, it's been a slow few days, but Trey Mitchell, probably the top remaining uh, player in the transfer portal. This is actually a great, uh, you're looking at my little show notes here. This is a great transition into our next topic. That is great. Look at how aligned we are. I'm not even looking at your show notes, but we're on the same page. (laughs) That's signs of we're vibing. Right. We're, We're so good at this. Anyways, go on. Top available player in the transfer portal, Trey Mitchell. He's a 6'9", uh, power forward, center type out of – played for the first two years he played at UMass, and he averaged like 19, 18 to 20 points a game, eight rebounds, one of the best players in the A-10. Uh, very gifted offensive player. Decides he's leaving after two years at UMass. He was like a top 40 recruit, too. He's like, he came in with some serious pedigree at UMass. Yeah, how did he end up at UMass then? Uh, the assistant coach is his stepdad-to-be, one of the assistant coaches. So. Okay. The, the, yeah, there's there's some shady underbelly stuff of college basketball connecting Trey Mitchell and uh, his name's Tony Bergeron. He's he was a he was a decorated high school coach at Woodstock Academy in Massachusetts, which is where Trey Mitchell went to high school. Um, this guy so it's also in state for him then too. But he was also a package deal with this coach. Okay. This Tony Bergeron then was hired as an assistant at UMass. Uh, Bergeron was getting let go at UMass, um, and Mitchell decided to transfer. And I think part of why his recruitment took so long is because there was still a strong belief that those two would be a package deal. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's getting a job with Texas. Uh, that's 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 whatever. It's neither here nor there at this point. But just when you look at just the Texas roster, um, you you got a lot of pieces. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got uh, Courtney Ramey and, and Andrew Jones, who are both coming back, were double figure scores for Texas last year. Might might have been their top two scores. Mm-hmm. Uh, you bring in Devin Askew from Kentucky, who we've, we've talked about a ton. He's maybe not a 
wasn't particularly good at Kentucky, but I think will be a good player. A good candidate as sort of a Maybe breakout a, player this year. Eventually. Maybe yeah. not this year yeah. at this point. Yep. Um, you have Christian Bishop, who comes over from Creighton, who was a solid. He shot like 70% from the field for a, a good Creighton team. That's very good. Because he, he does shoot the three ball too, right? No, he's a, he's a rim running, just okay. cutting, I slashing. He's a shooter too. Sets picks and rolls hard. He, he, he finishes. He's a, he's a high-level finisher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> PG right here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Except P- I, I, PG. I, yeah. I, I do mark it as explicit when I upload it, so I guess you can. Perfect. Okay. Turkey. <laughs> anyway, uh, you get Dylan DeSue from Vanderbilt, who a good stats, bad team guy. Who knows? He averaged like 17 points a game for Vanderbilt and, you know, was like an all-SEC caliber guy. You get Timmy Allen out of Utah, another kind of maybe good stats, bad team. They got a bunch of good stats, bad team guys because UMass wasn't particularly good and Trey Mitchell was awesome. Timmy Allen uh, put up a ton of points for it Utah. Is, it is Pac-12, though. I mean, he is handling it most of the time. Utah doesn't have a ton of talent, but it is, it is still Pac-12 level of defense. Dylan DeSue from Vanderbilt at, at, uh, at, Vander, at, at Vanderbilt. The other the other thought, though, is that if these guys are all kind of on their own on these bad teams, it's easier for other t- opposing teams. When you're number one on the scouting report, you know, it's tough to get your numbers. Yep. Well, now Texas, all of these guys are – they have like a legitimate nine or ten yep. quality players. I could see it being one of those one of those seasons where your leading scorer averages like twelve point, like what Florida State is every year, where your leading yeah. scorer averages twelve and a half points, but your ninth your ninth guy averages like seven. Yeah. You know, it's like your whole t- you're just well. Then the the thing that it's impossible to know on night to night basis which one of your guys is kind of having is, is popping. There's an element with that too, where you know if you're winning and you're consistently up five six points throughout the game, like okay, that's great, where you have you know all these guys scoring. But what if you get down like Florida State does early against who was it Bama? Was Bama who they lost to? Michigan. Was it Michigan? Okay. And you get down early, then there isn't any one player on that team who knows who the guy is. You know, like for example, we watched uh, uh, Kevin Durant the other night just go nuts in that game. I can't think of who they're playing in their series. Um, Fear the deer, baby. Uh, yeah, against the Bucks. Uh, so we we see that going like. When you have a team constructed like that, you don't have that one guy who, when your team is down in the dumps, like, who do you go to? Yeah, you don't even, you might not even have, like, that combination of five guys that you know to go to that's like, hey, this is, it's nut cutting time, who are we putting out there? And, and that could be, a, I guess we could debate back and forth all day until the cows come home if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's a, it, it could be a good thing because, hey, you're just playing the hot hands. You're playing the guys who are the best. On the other hand, how do you get a chance to get a hot hand if, you have too many guys. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's uh, I guess that's first world problems. You'd rather have ten good guys than yeah. not too many good guys than not enough good guys. But uh, if you want to figure out which guys popping for Texas on a nightly basis, I don't know. That's that you're gonna, you're gonna be in tough shape. Yep. So that's my losers: people who play daily college basketball fantasy sports and want to pick Texas players, but you just can't. That's why they're the losers. Yeah, your bet. Your best bet is probably just picking somebody else. Does does our friend play college basketball on daily fantasy? I would have heard about it probably if he okay. did, so okay. I doubt it. Okay. Yeah, and just a little continuation. The only thing I would add to that is, and we sort of talk about it, like there is a lot of talents for Texas next year. A lot. But is it too many cooks in the kitchen? That, yeah, that's going to be the great question. Yeah. Right. And I mean, can can Chris Beard get it get all that talent to mesh? How many coaches over do you trust more than Chris Beard to be able to get that talent to mesh? 
That's maybe a different question maybe than, than which coaches maybe, are maybe a handful. Maybe a handful. Yeah. 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 I, I think it's going to be in, it's going to be fascinating because yeah. you're right from a talent perspective. You just look at you just look at the paper roster that Texas is bringing to the table versus the roster Kansas is bringing to the table. You taking Kansas? You taking Texas? I don't. I think Texas is probably the better team, right? With yeah. with more raw talent, top to bottom. Yeah. So I mean. But yeah, the the chemist that's it's it's so much about chemistry, and that's the thing that that I, I kind of got into last week, and I can't stand when 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 reporters or analysts will say, "Just get talent. You just got to get get as much talent as you can." It's like, well, at the NBA level, I think there's some truth to that. Get as many talented guys as you can, because one guy can change the fortunes of a game more than anybody. Um, you know, like you said, Kevin Durant does that single handedly, basically beating a good Milwaukee team. Yep. College, I think there is more to continuity and chemistry and guys being being filling into roles and things like that so yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating you're right texas is yeah i mean talk about knocking out of the park though in the offseason in terms of you you want action texas texas went and did it with chris beard then you just pile on a ton of high level recruits or transfers so yeah i think them along with say kentucky you can toss oregon in there as far as just offseason winners when it comes to transfer portal and really just you know, in the case of Texas, obviously coach too, but just all in all, I'd say those are like the main winners of the offseason thus far. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Um, let's get into players move some player movement there, Biggs. Okay. Um, we already talked about the first one on our list, Trey Mitchell, so we won't talk anymore about that. Um this next one isn't really a huge name. Um, Trey Wade, um, transfer from Wichita mm-hmm. State forward, average about seven points per game, is going to Arkansas, and honestly, he's really just gonna be more more, more of a depth piece, really, more than anything. Um, they already have a lot of talent on that team. He's probably going to be like this year's. Uh, who was their Who was their big guy last year? Moses guy. Moody. No, who's the like their? Oh no, I think of Moses Wright. Moses Wright's the big one. There's two Moseses. There are a lot of Moseses. Yes, yeah. Um, Justin one, Smith. One Moses. Justin Smith. Is that who you think? Yeah, maybe it'll be like this year's Justin. Smith. Well, Justin Smith was pretty good statistically. Yeah. He'll be He'll be that type of guy though, who will just. Kind of do the dirty work, maybe yep. space the floor if he can knock down a corner three occasionally. Does he shoot it well? I, don't, I guess I don't even know. I don't even know that much about him. Um, he's a good, decent player at Wichita. He, he like t- a, shoots a decent about thirty percent three. Okay, yeah. So he can space the floor. He, I mean, he just look he, six seven. What is he? Two twenty five. Yeah, I think he plays more of the four, so he's got to just be a bowling ball. Yeah, I probably just do the dirty work, set picks, play defense. Um, yeah, I mean they they don't need guys to score. Arkansas's got. A whole bunch of guys that are that are familiar with scoring. The must bus. Yeah, yeah. He puts together a good good transfer group, and it's just another body going to Arkansas. Yeah, in into Arkansas but from Wichita State, and we're actually going to talk about leaving Arkansas here Ooh, soon. Okay, and so it's like a door that's kind of one of those spinning yeah. door type things. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit last week or two weeks ago, I think actually, but we talked about Desi Sills who had transferred away from Arkansas, a guard who averaged about seven points per game last year. Yeah. Transferred to Auburn. They get – Auburn gets another guard transfer. Was it Katie Johnson? Or Katie Johnson. Katie Johnson. Yeah. Um, and Des Hills looks around looks around at the roster and is like, you know what, don't think that's the right fit for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back in the transfer portal. A re-entry into the transfer portal. Yes. And you got to wonder if this is the case of – the portal giveth and the take and it taketh away, because he ends up at Arkansas State. That seems like a big downgrade from Arkansas. Yes, I know. Did he? Did he just accidentally? 
did he did it maybe did he maybe like think like what state are you going to be playing in? Well, I'm I'm going to be playing in Arkansas State. <laughs> no, we're not. Uh, obviously, the state of Arkansas. And then the people he was telling was like, "Oh, you mean Arkansas State University or University of Arkansas?" State. Exactly. The, know, the, the Arkansas State University. Yes. The State University <laughs> of Arkansas. <laughs> oh, Desi. I don't know. That's yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. We mentioned that earlier. It's. It's kind of a fascinating, it's going to be really, really interesting over the next couple of years. This is kind of one of those, we all, you know, you hear the buzzword when we're ever talking about new rule changes or new, anything new, unintended consequences. What are, what are the unintended consequences of this? This might be one of those where a guy enters the portal, um, he goes to a team, he thinks he's found his opportunity, right? Everybody's looking for those greener pastures. I was a backup here. Well, I'm going to be a starter at, at place B, pastures greener. Well, then maybe that team picks up this guy on the first day. Well, on day three or four, a new, better, shinier toy comes available, and they say, ah, you know what? This Desi Sills guy, he's okay, but this other guy, he's been better. Let's pick up him instead. And they're kind of shit on the luck. And yeah, you got to go back into the portal, and maybe uh, day one you had five different options. Well, that game of musical chairs is playing. And I'm jumping from metaphor to metaphor here, but the game of musical chairs is playing, and you're out of chairs. Yeah. And you've got to settle on Arkansas State. Coaches say anything negative about this, and they get immediately just shredded to bits by by all of the woke kind of the folks who are just like, oh, why, why, these coaches are just mad about it. And, yeah. and I think you know we we've heard on other podcasts where, where Painter I think had something about this a year ago, where a couple of his guys are no gel Eastern is like leaving, and Painter's like, um, I, I'm not just like some greasy car salesman who doesn't care. Like I, I care about this kid, and I don't think he's making the right choice. Like I, I think there are more coaches who don't think these kids are making. Like, they want them to make good choices. And obviously, coaches aren't stupid. Like, they want their program to also succeed. Mm -hmm. But those things can kind of go together. Hey, you make the right choice and stay here. I'm going to be good for you. You help me. It's a, it's a mutually beneficial thing. Any coaches say anything negative about this. And, like, even – it's not even, like, a negative thing. Even I think Scott Frost, the Nebraska coach, was was quoted here recently because Luke McCaffrey, his uh, you know, brother of Christian McCaffrey, and there's another McCaffrey, too. Fran McCaffrey. Fran McCaffrey. Ed McCaffrey. A lot of McCaffreys. Yes. Yeah. Patrick McCaffrey. Who's yeah. McCaffrey? McCaffrey for Iowa. Connor McCaffrey, right? All of those guys. Yeah. They all have the last name of McCaffrey. True. Anyway. This is just the show of McCaffreys. <laughs> Indeed. That might be the title of this, to be honest. The McCaffrey episode. Yeah. <laughs> this kid started out at Nebraska. He was like a four-star quarterback recruit. Well, Nebraska's got another quarterback, so this McCaffrey doesn't really play. When he does play, he's not particularly good. He transfers somewhere else. He enters the transfer portal. He goes, I think it's to Louisville. And it looks like he's not going to really get a chance to play there either. So he transfers somewhere else. And so he's bouncing. He's to another school now, all in the same offseason. And then Frost is saying something to the effect of, you know, this portal, everybody thinks it's just like this endless, uh, you know, endless space where you're going to always find something better. And, you know, these, these greener pastures, as everyone kind of talks about, it might not be for everybody. It's going to be for your top-level guys. Trey Mitchell is going to have opportunities no matter what he wants, right? Yeah. Not everybody's going to get that. And, and I think a lot of these kids, they want to get recruited more. They want to put out that tip to edits with the 40 different schools that have, mm -hmm. that have sent them mail. And a lot of them are going to be without the chair when the music stops playing, so to speak. And, and I don't think that's necessarily being negative and saying no one's allowed to ever transfer. Sure, you can do whatever you want, right? It's a free country. These kids have have all the power in the world that they want if they're making the right choice for them. But that's just the point, though. Are, are they actually making the right choice for them? 
or they run away from adversity. And, Sometimes. And I think I saw this the other day where, you know, I think in college basketball, it's I saw some somewhere. It's about about 4,500 men's Division One college basketball athletes. Okay. I think I saw it currently, and like team, like roster construction is, is winding down here. Like teams are what you see is what you get for the upcoming season, probably for the most part. Yeah, almost all, all, there's not a lot of like significant pieces right. left in the portal. There's like 600 players. No, I'm there. saying there's not much roster slots on, say, in, like, that too. Uh, Texas, or Kansas, whoever. Yeah. And so Minnesota but, there is. Yeah, exactly. But along with that, you know, there's still, from what I was reading, about a thousand players still left in the transfer portal who just don't have a home. And so what are they going to do? Do they just have to take the best they get? Do they have to go Division Two, JUCO? What are they going to do? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the problem. And there's, there's probably, uh, yeah, there's kind of a, a game to this where it's like you, you don't want to do what Desi Sills did, maybe and commit too early where the team you're committing to can, can pick up something better later on. But then also on. decommit after that. Yeah, but you also don't want to wait too long and run out of options. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's just like recruiting where the good players are going to have options. The kids who are not, uh, are not, and I think I think what we see here is a lot of guys in the portal probably overestimate their value mm-hmm. and their worth. Hashtag know your worth. Yeah. You know, hashtag bet on yourself. Well, what if you're not worth very much? Yeah. You know, I think we're, that's what we're seeing. Yeah. And and it'll be interesting. Again, this is going to be something that probably hits hard over the next couple of years, especially as as kind of this market adjusts. And, and it'll be interesting if in three four years this is still happening at a really high rate. Who knows? That'll be that'll be interesting. I mean, does he stills does he stills? You look at the Arkansas team, and he was a he played for them. You know, he played twenty plus minutes a game. He was like the third kind of guard off the. He was like the first guy off the bench. He was yeah, like their sixth it, man. It, was, right? it wasn't bad there. No, and he, and he was a good player. And with a couple guys leaving, you got to think like, unless he just hates Musselman, you're walking into probably a bigger role next year. And can you figure it out? <laughs> She just has that look where it's like, I'm up to something. We got to add her to our podcast picture. Yeah, we really do. She's the podcast dog. I yeah. like that. Yeah. We immediately get, we're already really fun and cute and adorable. And then we get a little more with her. Oh just, my just gosh. A little. They were just like full throttle. Yeah. <laughs> what was I talking about? Desi Sills, though. It's like, He's going he's gonna to take out a bigger role if he just stays on a good team in Arkansas. So, like. I don't know, man. I think if you were to inject that dude to some truth serum, I, I'm guessing unless he just truly, really, really hated his coach, mm-hmm. unless, unless maybe his priority is just I want to shoot a lot, he's probably going to get to shoot a lot at Arkansas State. Uh-huh. Who knows? That's And it. maybe he can show up. Maybe it's a situation, say, you know, I think I look at, like, NBA players and where they went to college and, like, the superstars, right? And I think of, like, a Kawhi Leonard. He didn't go to a, a blue blood. He went to San Diego State, you know? One of the new bloods. Exactly. But San Diego State was, like not, was not what they were, was not at they that were not time even on what the they are now. now. Yeah. Their words are tough today. Holy crap. Indeed. Um, so maybe that's sort of his plan is he can have an opportunity to really show his worth. And um, your dog is just distracting me. Holy crap. <laughs> she does that. Yeah. Um, no, I know what you mean. They're, it, it, if you're good, they're going to find you. You know, if you want to play at the next level or go professional, if you've got game, the people will find you, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And who knows? Uh, maybe Desi Stills goes. Why do I keep saying Stills? You do. 
It's like he just rolls off the tongue better. Stills. Sills. You're an English teacher? Desi Sills. Okay, when he if he goes to Arkansas State and puts up 22 a game and five assists for a good Arkansas State team, who's to stop him from a year from now transferring somewhere else? Yeah. Okay. Um, Michael DeVoe, Georgia Tech. Yeah. And honestly, I picked this one just because I think it could lead into a good conversation just about Georgia Tech and Josh Pastner. Okay. Um, but they were sort of a team that really came on towards the end of last year, middle to the end of last year. I think they ended up getting around, was it seven or eight seed? Yeah. Um, they won, up, didn't they win the, no, they didn't win the ACC title, but they got to the ACC championship game in the tournament. I, yes, but I think they advanced one round because Florida State, maybe? Did Florida State get knocked out because of COVID? Did, or did they win the ACC championship? No, Florida State won it. Okay, was it Virginia who got knocked out? Because Duke was one of them. Who was the other team that got knocked out? Because or of did Georgia Tech? I think Georgia Tech won the ACC tournament. Have. Anyways, we'll look it up later, <laughs> and we'll let you know. I think they did. Okay. Anyway. um, But, you know, their main, their talented player was a freshman, Moses Wright. Big guy. Was he a freshman? No. I think I'm thinking of Moses Moody. See what I, again? You get more crossing your Moseses. <laughs> um, but ended up being ACC Player of the Year. I was thinking ACC Freshman of the Year. He was not because, like, like we just said, he was not a freshman. Yep. Um, but he was the Player of the Year. You're right. Yeah. Moses Wright was a, was a really good big man. Yep. So they lose him, um, Jose Alvarado, to the NBA, and it looks like Jose Alvarado. They will also lose. Um, he could still come back. He has higher nature, but like you keep telling me, that means nothing. Yeah, no, he could come back if he wants to. Yeah, I, I guess I don't. I I, I need to see do like a list he's of what. Back? I, I have no idea. I, yeah. I don't know what the slam I look is. Bef- on that. I look before this. He's not an NBA guy. I, I look before this, and people were saying he could be a second round pick. Oh, really? Yep. So I mean, it remains to be seen. I'm guessing he won't be back. So that's two. Really, they're two best players. Yeah. Um, but the point the cl- guard who dr- was the, the star that the straw that stirs the proverbial drink in yep. Alvarado, yep. And, and and your stud big man Moses right. Yep. But Michael DeVoe is coming back. Okay. Average 15 points per game last year at the guard spot. Good, also, good player. Also, Jordan Usher is coming back. Yep. And, you know, Georgia Tech just seems to be that team that always has, like, sort of like an every other year dynamic to them where they have a good year, then they just sort of regress a little bit. And then they have another good year, regress again. Sure. Now, Ken, Josh Passner, who I do think in his own right is a great coach and was – I don't know if he's ever linked to that Arizona job at all. I don't know if you ever saw it. Yeah, I think his name was kind of just thrown around as, as just kind of like a, people are going from A to C, kind of connecting yeah. dots a little bit. Yeah. Um, but do you think they could be you know, formidable in the ACC for a second straight season? <sighs> yeah, that's a great question. I think the bigger question with Georgia Tech is, is you know how like Rip Hamilton was, was, a, was a quality player in his NBA career? You remember Rip Hamilton? Yeah. Just a – the terrific running off screens, knocking down elbow jumpers for days. Right, he was U- UConn guy. I was to, great. I have to say something so that I know something about that. I, I you remember Rip Hamilton? Yeah, UConn guy. Played for Detroit. UConn. That too. Also the Bulls. Yep, he did play for the Bulls early, in, late in his career. Yes. Right. Yeah. But he was the type of guy who he didn't wear uh, the Hannibal Lecter kind of face mask thing. And then he broke his nose, and he comes back, and he has to wear that, and he's amazing. And then for like the rest of his career, he's wearing that face mask. The question with jo- Josh Pastner is he hadn't done, Does he have to wear that face mask? He hasn't done much of note with Georgia Tech until he wears the big face mask thing. Now if COVID is kind of subsided here by the time by this time next by I guess by the time the season starts here in October or November, and, and player and coaches don't have to wear masks, not that they did a whole lot of mask wearing this year, but 
does does he just keep wearing that because it's good juice for him? He could. I don't see why not. I mean, and honestly, he look. I think he looks cooler with it. I do too. I think he looks great with the button yeah. chops and the mask. Yeah. Could you get like a? Could you get like a like a like a different color tint on that? Could you get like a like a? What's the color where it's kind of the, like an amber tint? You know, like like in like in Madden, where you want to yeah. give them the visors, and you get the really dark one. The Darth I think it's Vader. just called amber, isn't it? Is it amber? Yeah. You know, you like the really dark, like the Darth Vader one, which is pretty sweet. You can have the clear one, and then you can have that amber one, which is pretty yeah. badass. Or you can have like the Ladanian Tomlinson, like from the from the ESPN commercial where he's in the mailroom. Yeah, you remember that one? Yeah. <laughs> so could Josh Pastor maybe customize his mask? You get, I think the amber would look pretty sweet, or maybe like a Georgia Tech kind of like a shade. And of then gold. it almost becomes like a. What if it becomes like a prop bet? You know, like they have at the Super Bowls. Will he won't he? Or will he won't be? Or what color will it be? Could be like a Rick Pitino with the suits back in the day. Where is he going to come out in the red suit? Is he going to put on the white suit? Is he going to go the black suit? <laughs> Possibilities are endless. You're right. I, I don't know if Georgia Tech's going to be good or not. I mean, Devoe's a good player. Uh, Usher is okay. He was pretty bad, I think, his first couple years, and last year turned all of the shooting. His shooting happy style was he was like actually efficient. I, for some reason, could see them just kind of putting up numbers. Those two guys and them just not having enough because really your two best guys are gone. You yeah. know, and then in addition to those two guys, they do have a four star recruit coming in, which I feel like Georgia Tech can't get a ton of four star guys. What's that kid weigh? Um, six six two ten. Okay, yeah. my eyes were seeing a seven there, and I was like, "Wow." Um, but the number forty one recruit in the twenty four seven rankings, Dallin Coleman. So he'll, you know, who knows? He, he probably won't be a star right away um, yeah. by any means, but just another sort of shooter for their team. Better to have him than not have him. Yeah, it could be their like third guard in the lineup. You never know. Sure. I guess if if you're if you're imagining however good Georgia Tech can be, I mean, when we're talking about ACC way too early kind of preseason for power ranking this league. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not going to be probably, at least on paper, that no one's going to have them over Duke. No, they're like no one's going to have them over Carolina. They're in that seven, eight, six, nine six range. to nine range, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, you gotta, I mean, I think Louisville probably will get more benefit of the doubt. Florida State, Virginia. Virginia Tech is a team that a lot of people will, will be high on. I feel like if you're putting into tiers, your eyes always perk up when I say tiers. <laughs> Tier 1A, 1AI. Ooh. <laughs> But I feel like tier one is usually like the teams like you can conceivably see winning the conference. Yeah. And I think that's usually limited to like four or five teams. Duke, Virginia, Carolina, Carolina, Florida State. Yeah. There's probably another one in there we're forgetting. But that's the general gist. The next next tier is ones I would consider are ones that you could see making the tournament. Either have a very good case or or have like an outsider's case. And I'd say that gets you from that, that five Number five to number eight to nine. Yeah. That's what I would say. Yeah. So I'd put them in that second tier. Okay. Yes. Bottom of the second tier, top of the oh second tier, middle of the second tier. Are we, it's like, is top like What five? tier of the second tier are is, we in? Is, you know, if you break it, tier two into three tiers. <laughs> so they're tier two, middle, five. Middle. Okay. But then are they the top of the middle or the yeah, bottom? What, what tier in the middle tier are they? <laughs> I'm I, here for that. I love tiers. I do too. Yeah. Except when I'm shedding them. Yeah. Sad. Because of like women and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because of my wife. Right. She yelled at you. Probably. Yeah. She's probably. probably. On it. Yeah. You, you don't listen though, so you don't know. I'm just waiting for my turn to talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boy, does she talk a lot though. <laughs> uh, that's 41 minutes in. So that's, yeah. that's a record. There's us. no chance she's still listening. No. Yeah. Um, 
Another little bit of news, not big news, Ace Baldwin, uh, BCU guard, um, you know, injured Achilles. Out indefinitely. Not a good injury for someone. No, um, that sucks. But freshman a year ago, a three-star guy out of high school, but really more so just a minutes eater, you know, for them. Average about seven points per game, which, I mean, if you're averaging seven points per game, what's that saying you want to say about freshmen? The best thing about freshmen? Uh, oh, is it that they, they, well, they eventually become sophomores. Oh, okay. And usually with that, they might average more points. They might get in that double-digit range. It, it could be. Yeah. Um, so let's just say that BCU lost 12 points per game because of this. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. You're yep. right. And, and they also, I mean, it was a team that was kind of offensively challenged anyway last year. They were they're really bad offensively, if I remember right. And it feels like VCU every year is kind of bad offensively, but they're always just so tough on the defensive end of the floor that they're able to just kind of grind out wins. They were bad de- think, defensively during the tournament last year, though. They yeah, they, they lost to COVID. Yeah, they, COVID. They couldn't stop COVID at all. They couldn't slow it down. No, nope. it was a runaway train, that COVID. <laughs> Bad matchup, really. Yeah. Think about it. But this Ace Baldwin, though, was you look at he averaged about seven points a game, but he was a really high impact, high quality defensive piece for them, which which is a kind of not common for freshman guards. But generally, mm-hmm. freshman anything generally that's kind of the big struggle. Guys, they struggle defensively. Yep. It's a little different game. And you're losing him. You're losing uh, Bones Highland. They're they're really their only kind of capable scorer last year. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting. I mean, VCU has been they, – they've kind of been in that kind of same thing, I think, with that you kind of talked about Georgia Tech, where it's like every other year they're, 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 they're really good. They're kind of at the top of the A-10, and then they, they kind of have this kind of fallback year where they kind of have to retool and, and kind of put it back together. This might be one of those kind of years for VCU, but they also always have this. We mm-hmm. never know the names for the guys at VCU, and, and they just kind of keep pumping out. It's a quality program out there, so we'll see what happens. It, it's a it, injury kind of creates opportunity. Yeah, I agree. All right, Biggs. One last topic. Did you see Joel Lenardi came out with his second bracketology? That like I, the season's twenty weeks away. Maybe not twenty weeks away. It's ten weeks away. Is it only ten weeks? I no, have no it's, clue. It's a lot of weeks. Fifteen. Still, so. I don't care. Who cares? Rossi knows. Maybe it is twenty weeks away. It's like one hundred and forty days or something like that. Pretty That's. Sure. That's 20 weeks. That's 20 weeks. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That was math with bigs and smalls. Love it. Anyways, second bracketology, even though it's, we're 20 weeks away from the tip-off. Gotta love the guy. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and just a couple uh, key pointers here. Um, I think nothing changes from his first, like his one seeds from his first one. Uh, I'm just sort of looking at some of like the risers and fallers. I see Bama drops to a three seed. I don't know what caused them to drop since the last one. Same with Arkansas. Arkansas also dropped to a four seed. Does he just not like the SEC? Probably just a hater. Yeah. Yeah. LSU dropped to a 10. Does Joe Lenardi do anything besides bracket? Like, does he have like a radio show? Is he like a, like I a, think like he a, has a podcast. Does a podcast so, yeah. get paid for that? I would assume so like sponsors and whatnot. Yeah. Maybe is it what's the big company in, in Fayetteville? Is it not Walmart? Might be Walmart. Where are you going with this? Maybe maybe he lost sponsorships. Maybe he had like a Walmart sponsorship and then and then lost it and then dumped was Arkansas. Oh. Huh? 
Maybe. Could there be something, you know, Could be. sinister at play? Could be. You know what I'm saying? Does he see that? Does he see... I don't remember what his... <laughs> Just a little shit right now. I know. <laughs> you can't even add the face up. I know. It's ridiculous. I, I, but, yeah, I'm wondering... I don't remember what the big company is in Fayetteville, Arkansas. I think... I think it's... I think it's Walmart. Is it? They got a ton of money there. I know that. It's like the headquarters for... <sighs> what is it? Is Fayetteville in Arkansas? Yeah, it's, it's where it's where Arkansas is. You mean Arkansas is where Fayetteville is? It's where the University of Arkansas is. Okay, I see what you're saying. Fayetteville companies. I don't. I'm trying to look here. Yeah, that. It's only going to come up with the biggest one. Largest company. So, oh yeah, Ty, yeah Tyson. Tyson. Yeah. Tyson Foods. Yeah. Okay. So he must have gotten a bad batch of chicken nuggets. And it's like, you know what? I'm dropping Arkansas. I almost said Fayetteville. I'm drop, dropping Arkansas on my bracket. I'm out on them. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I can, I can go with that. Yeah. And I think I can edit that five minutes out. I hope we so. We just have we're, we're looking that up. I hope so. Yes. Um. Some other key ones. Uh, North Carolina drops. I don't know why. They're going to win it all. Come on. <laughs> See, the key is is we, we, we need to subscribe to the Hale model. High aspirations, low expectations. So we actually think Carolina should be like a 10 seed. That way when they actually exceed expectations and they're like a 9 seed. I actually do do that with the Vikings. I do too. Yes. Hey, Shelter Richardson, thoughts? Oh, I like it. Yeah, I do too. Gives them I'd, an interior I'd rather get a, another starting defensive end though. And are there any? I don't know. I don't either. Just go get Vaughn Miller. Sure. Hey. But hey, Vaughn, go play it first, please. <laughs> we'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, nothing else big that really jumps out at me. I, I guess the other surprising thing, Villanova jumps up to a two seed in this one. Yeah. Jumps up? Like, if you told me Villanova was a two seed on this one, I would be like, oh, he must have dropped them from a one seed. That's what I would have said. Yeah. yeah. Not jumped up to a two seed. They're one of the top teams in the country next year. Yeah. In the way too early – or the far too early preseason rankings, Villanova's what one or they're probably two goes yeah. Gonzaga probably and then Villanova, yeah right. I mean if we're just kind of putting together our own here, because just looking at this looks like he has the top four seeds as Gonzaga, Michigan, UCLA, and then Kansas. I think, I think I, Villanova's better than UCLA. Yeah, Kansas. I, I would agree. Michigan, I think, is unproven. 100%. Villanova has much more like chemistry on their team already. I would put Villanova at at either two. I can if you want to tell me UCLA, I can hear that maybe. Yeah. Um, they do have like the same sort of chemistry going on. Yeah. Um, and, and they obviously are just coming off of a final four run and, and if all, if Juzang comes back then then maybe that's different. But yeah. like lowest lowest case scenario here I think is Villanova's probably three. Yeah. So so yeah, that was a surprise that how many not teams only he's showing they... all these. I'm all I'm looking at this right now, just from a long way away, and all I'm seeing is down arrows. Who the hell moved up? Did anybody actually move uh, up? Because Loyola Chicago moved up to a nine somehow. They must really they're love the same seat as they were last they year. They must huh? really love Drew Valentine. Yeah, uh, Florida moved up to an eight. Richmond moved up to an eleven. Nova Iona to a fifteen. They were a sixteen before. They get a big boost. Um, which. Is a shame because you know if they were sixteen, could they become? Never mind. Could they um, be the team that? 
is the first team to beat a uh, one seed as a 16 and then also post pandemic. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, Iowa moved up to an eight. Did they get some transfers? I don't know if they did. No. I feel like they've lost people. Yeah. So I don't, I don't get that either. I don't know that one either. Um, Auburn up to a six. Houston up to a three. They must really love my, they must really love my winner. Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? I'm just Nostradamus over here. No kidding. Um, Grand Canyon up to a 14, Louisville up to a 7. Um, and that was nitpicking bracketology with big and small. I like it. Okay. Should we get out of here? Sure. All right. So, oh, yeah. Also, also I, I love my wife a lot. And even – actually, sometimes I think I'd like her to talk more, which is crazy. Speaking of that, what are you, what are you two doing in Nashville? Uh, we're just checking out the, the scene. We're going to go check out some honky-tonks. And... Is it Nashville known for bachelorette parties? Might be. I think it is. It might be. So good for you. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of woo girls. Yeah, there will be a lot of one of my favorite things. Yes. I guess. <laughs> Yay! Now we should get out of here. Yeah. Bye. Later.